This is the Sooner Schooner Show on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. Do us a huge favor. Give us a five-star rating and write a written review. The five-star rating helps us elevate our content and get it out to more people. The written review we use is constructive criticism to make the show better for you, the listener, because that's who we're trying to please and to show you our appreciation for that. If you'll take a screenshot of that five-star rating and that written review, and you'll email it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, Pete will send you back a Heartland College Sports koozie, and then you can show off to your friends during the tailgating season. Coming up on this week's episode, we're going to talk about how many snaps Jackson Arnold needs to be getting with the first team, whether it's in fall camp or whether it's during the games this year. It's very important that he get out and run with the first team because this is the guy that's going to lead you into the Southeastern Conference. And speaking of the Southeastern Conference, Sam Pittman laid out a plan for the Arkansas Razorbacks to be the toughest team in the SEC. What can Brent Venables and OU learn from Sam Pittman's plan? But we got to start off with the folks at PTI because, man, when it comes to OU, they don't know how to do anything but suffer from foot and mouth disease. This week, it wasn't Mike Wilbon. It was Tony Kornheiser, of all people, who just couldn't wait to say something idiotic about Brent Venables. And more importantly, say something pretty idiotic about college football. Tony got the news that Colorado was moving to the Big 12. But instead of focusing on what it means for the Big 12 to get Colorado and what it might mean for Deion Sanders to recruit in Big 12 country, he said this. So when I heard about this story today, this morning, I was really excited because I thought it meant that Colorado would play Oklahoma in football this year and Deion Sanders would get a chance to stick it to Brent Venables, who had been so Mm. holier than thou about Deion. And then I found out it's not going to happen. Colorado, if they move, wouldn't get there till next year, 2024. And at that point, Oklahoma would have moved to the SEC. So I was hoping the story would be that Colorado is moving to the SEC just so Dion could get that chance. In 20 seconds, Tony Kornheiser, a seasoned pro of well over 50 years in this business, and if not 50 years, well over 40 years in this business, made mistakes that a guy first time on air would, would only make. And there's no excuse for it. Um, ESPN is rife with producers, so they should know what's coming up on Pardon the Interruption. They should know what the content is going to be because they help them put the rundown together. Now, when you work in a shop like I do, I don't really have a producer. I've got board ops. They're very good board ops, very talented individuals, but I'm not only the co-host of the Pat Jones Show and the host of The First Word. I'm my own producer. I do my own research. I get my own audio, and I put the show rundown together. At ESPN, you've got multiple people who do that for every single show. So because they knew this topic was coming up, somebody should have told Tony Kornheiser that Colorado wasn't going to the SEC and Colorado wasn't going to be moving to the Big 12 this year and that he and Brent Venables weren't going to be meeting in a a head-to-head winner-take-all matchup. I mean, it, that that's just basic broadcasting 101. You supply your hosts with the information they need so they don't look like a-holes. 
Somebody failed. Somebody dropped the ball big time on ESPN. And in fact, if you are their boss, that staff gets a talking to after that because your job is is to make the host look good, not let him drown himself and make him look bad. In fact, when he looks bad, that is just as much on you as it is them if they don't have the if they don't have the right information. But more importantly, for Tony Kornheiser, you should have actually listened to what Brent Venables had to say. He was interviewed by the ref last week. And look, I'll give him credit. I'll give him credit on this podcast. Credit is where credit due, man. I, I will tip my broadcasting hat to them for, for getting this out of Brent Venables. But please, can we just listen again? Just listen one more time to what Brent Venables had to say about Deion Sanders. Because if you read it in black and white, it had to play a lot different than what you heard here. You know, I gave guys 12 months of grace, and I was unlike Dion. I gave guys 12 months of grace to figure it out. Here's the three. You know, go to class, you know, live right off the field, and when you show up over here, man, you show up with respect and appreciation for your opportunity. And if you go 0 for 3 for 12 months, you need a fresh start. So we help 21 guys, you know, give or take, you know, find a, you know, a fresh start. There's nothing holier than thou about that statement. Nothing. As a matter of fact, he's not even criticizing Deion Sanders. This is why this is so stupid. And and the fact that it's even dragged on this long on ESPN um, tells you that for some reason around there, they're scrambling for content in a way that they haven't before. Okay? I don't know what the deal is. I mean, it probably has to do with all those mass layoffs that they had. But there's no way you could have heard that and even remotely thought he had anything but good feelings towards Dion, or well, if it wasn't good feelings, he wasn't saying anything bad about him. It was a simple illustration. He runs his program this way. I run mine this way. That's it. That's all it was. Even Dion Sanders didn't clap back at Brent Venables. Now, maybe he's not doing it because he knows he's got guys like Mike Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser who will pick up that mantle for him. But Dion doesn't even seem to hold a grudge. So if Dion doesn't hold a grudge, why are you holding a grudge? Why do you have to be just grumpy old man? Look, I am not as old as Tony Kornheiser, but I ain't that young. And even I can listen and figure out what guys mean. Again, it's all about tone of voice. And if you're not doing the research when you have people who can do it for you, there's just no excuse for them to have gone down this path with Brent Venables. And, and quite frankly, it's disgusting. So, Tony, be better. Producers at ESPN, be better. Please, in all aspects of your life, be better than what you were and, and do right by Brent Venables. Because if all goes well this year, knock on wood, fingers crossed, OU's going to be a force to, to be reckoned with in the Big 12. And they're going to have an opportunity to go to the Big 12 championship and, um, oh, yeah, you happen to be state-run television for the SEC. This is one of the schools that you're going to be championing championing here in the next year. Man, I can talk. <laughs> Boy, I'm real good. And one of the keys to OU's success next year is obviously going to be Jackson Arnold. This year, it's Dylan Gabriel. And when you look at OU's quarterback room, uh, first of all, there, there's really – the only question surrounding OU quarterbacks this year, and this really is the only question, is how many snaps does Jeff Levy 
want to give Jackson Arnold with the first team during fall camp. Because in order to prepare this kid to be as good as he possibly can be for the next season, he needs to go out and run with the ones. The problem is, I mean, you're not doing two-a-days. You're not practicing near as much as you used to do in the early Bob Stoops era or certainly you know, the, the, the Barry Switzer or even the John Blake, Howard Schnellenberger, Gary Gibbs era. You're not running them out near as much as you used to. So the snaps are limited. And Dylan Gabriel, with his accuracy with his accuracy issues last year and some of the problems that he has running the offense, needs all the snaps that he can get to get ready for a regular to get ready for the season. And in a perfect world, okay, in a perfect world, you would probably want to divide him up about 70-30. I mean, because Jackson Arnold will get to run with the twos, but even they don't get a whole lot of snaps. They don't get a whole lot of work in at practice. So you would divide it up 70-30 so at least Jackson Arnold would get the feel of what college football is like and not be blindsided when he goes out the first time and plays this year and plays this year and sees just how fast the game goes. But you really don't have that luxury. Still, uh, this is something that Levy and the staff needs to kind of force on the team. And when you get any opportunity this year, to run Jackson Arnold out there with the first-team offense, even if it's just for a couple of series, maybe even if it's just one series, it's all the better for him. Because if he's out there with the ones, chances are he's going to be going against the other team's best players. And that is the only way you're going to be able to get ready for the type of football that you're going to see in the Southeastern Conference. And unless Dylan Gabriel gets hurt there is a little bit of worry that maybe those opportunities are, are few and far between. You, you, don't want, you don't want to wait until it's like 52-7 to seven or whatever to get him in. If you could get Jackson Arnold in in the first quarter and then get him in and let him take the rest of the fourth quarter in a game that you have a commanding lead, that's all the better for him. And that really is the only question that, that you've got with with these OU quarterbacks, I mean, God help us all if David is if Davis Bevel or General Booty's playing quarterback. And again, you go back to reps, and it's something that Pat Jones always talks about. It's not just reps; it's quality reps. You want the absolute best reps you can get, meaning you want the closest you want the closest thing to the game that you can get as much as you can get. And unfortunately for those third and fourth stringers, you're not getting those snaps. You're just not. And if you're playing, it says more about it's probably because of injuries and then you're just desperate. And then it's pray to God and hope that you can pick up, you know, hope that you can pick up where the other guys left off. But most likely that's just not going to be the case. So looking at OU's quarterback room this year, I don't really foresee an opportunity for Jackson Arnold to steal away the offense from Dylan Gabriel the way that Caleb Williams stole it from Spencer Sanders. I just don't think that's there. I mean, the only way that that happens is if Gabriel spits the bit, and if you go based on what you saw this spring, that's not going to happen. Dylan Gabriel is going to be pretty darn good this year. In fact, if he can run – make throws on the run like we know that he's capable of, if you can just improve that accuracy and run the offense. And I'm not saying be a game manager, but don't make mistakes. 
Okay, it's not like you can't make the big play with your legs or make the big play with your arm. Just don't make mistakes. And and look, we're going to say this all season long. Get ready, get ready for it now. One of the things that will help you not make mistakes is having a great running game. And OU should have a pretty darn good running game with as full as that running back room is. And in fact, in a couple of weeks, we'll take a look at the running back room and see just how deep it is. It's them and the offensive line. They've got the two best rooms in the entire, in the entire team. It's the offensive line and the running backs with the two best rooms. Use those running backs. And yeah, RPO is going to be part of the game because there are times you want Dylan Gabriel to to call his number and there's times you want him to make that play. But the more called runs you can get for the running backs certainly are going to help him. But again, it goes back to Jackson Arnold to make sure that he gets enough work to be prepared for next year because as important as this year is, it really does feel like it's a tune-up for the Southeastern Conference more than it is an end of the line or in game destination to win that to win that Big Twelve championship. And one of the ways that OU's OU is going to win the Big Twelve championship, one of the major ways that they're going to be competitive in the Southeastern Conference is to be the most physical, tough team in both the SEC and the Big Twelve. And it's a lot easier to accomplish that in the Big Twelve than it is the SEC. Unless you've got the horses that that LSU, Georgia, Al- Alabama have, I mean, heck, uh, you know, even Ole Miss and Auburn are, are going to have studs. But one of the ways you're tough is you just have to kind of you've got to coach tough. Like I've always questioned whether or not you can coach toughness into someone. Are they you know are they born with it or is it something that can be coached? One of the guys that that believes it can be coached is Sam Pittman of Arkansas, and he's actually laid out a plan on how Arkansas is going to be tougher. Now, some of this stuff's already happened. One of the things that he said that Arkansas did this year was during the offseason, they lifted five days a week as opposed to four days a week. The other thing he said was, look, when it was hot and humid, they went out and they worked out. That was it. You know, they, they were not going to spend any more time inside than they need to. They wanted to get out in the heat. The other thing that he said, and this is something to be really mindful of, he said that coaches were a little bit more concerned about being players' friends than they were about being coaches. And he felt like that had an impact on his team last year. And, and I wondered aloud, I still wonder aloud, was that going on in the Lincoln-Riley era? Were coaches, especially on defense, more friendly with the kid than they were necessarily authority figures, disciplinarians, guys that were or and, and guys that were trying to mold these these young men into great football players? Is that what happened with OU under Lincoln Riley? And if that was the case, how much is Brent Venables having to undo that mindset? I mean, that's one of the reasons why why you run off players after a year is because they don't have the same mindset. They're not buying into what you're selling. So I kind of wonder if Brent Venables was was having to still deal with that last year, you know, taking over a soft team with soft players that weren't used to working hard, and he just said, okay, you know, I'll give you an opportunity to prove that you can make it, but if you can't, there's the transfer portal right over there. Go jump in it. 
Hopefully you can land someplace else. Maybe you can land with your old buddy Lincoln Riley, but we're going to have tough players here at Oklahoma. And one thing I would like to hear Brent Venables talk about, maybe you have, I have not heard him talk about the plan to make OU tougher. And obviously there's a plan there to make OU better. I've just never heard him talk about it. I mean, we've heard players talk about going through life with Schmitty, and I would imagine that that is pretty much that, that there's that there's a big consistency with, with Schmitty for, from you know when he got here with with Bob Stoops to him coming back from A and M that that a lot of it is the same. And when you believe in something, you just continue to do it over and over again because that's how you 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 make people good. Um, but I'd like to know more about that plan. And, and I'd like to know more because we, we've talked so much about the defense and how good OU can be if the defense just improves. If the defense just tackles people, OU's going to be good. But I'd like to hear Brent Venable's plan. I'd like it not to be just, oh, we got to get tougher. Oh, we got to do this better. Get, you know, Give us a little bit more detail there. And even just because I haven't seen the detail doesn't mean it's out there, and I'll do a little bit digger deep uh, or a little bit deeper digging on that. But loved hearing that from Sam Pittman. Loved hearing that somebody still wants to be the toughest team in college football or the toughest team in their conference because, quite frankly, there's just too many offensive coordinators out there trying to finesse their way through the game. And as we saw with TCU and we saw with Lincoln Riley, when you finesse your way through something you eventually get your butt kicked by a defense that knows how to handle you. And even if you – and look, you're with a defense that knows how to handle you, plus you're not stopping anyone, which was main, which was the main issue against LSU. You couldn't stop anyone because your defense didn't know how to be physical. So hopefully Brent Venables has all that corrected. Hopefully we get to see the results of that this year. But thank you, Sam Pittman, for laying that out. And thank you more than anything, Sam Pittman, for being a guy that wants to be committed to being tough. Brent Venables has that in him. And I think Brent Venables, I still think Brent Venables ultimately will be the guy to lead this program forward. But we need to see it. I mean, proof. And we've got a few weeks until that comes up, but not much longer. By the time you listen to this, camp may already be underway. And just know next week, we're going to do our best to look at the linebackers as well as the running backs as we try and get you ready for the upcoming OU football season. And please, again, do us a huge favor. Give us a five-star rating. Write that written review. Take the screenshot of it. Send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and he'll give you a Heartland College Sports koozie. And always remember that five-star rating is so important because it helps us elevate our content on uh, all sorts of platforms. So until then, peace.